0: diving into data diving di- diving d- d- data diving into data with TC Riley hello 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 again everyone it's been a while but welcome back to diving into data I am your host TC Riley hope everyone's doing okay out there I know the world has changed a lot since we last talked a couple months ago obviously the big news of the world and pretty much every story and everything that everyone's talking about is the COVID-19 pandemic, the outbreak, the way that that has impacted pretty much every corner of the world. Um, you can't escape this in the news right now. Um, it's pretty much all anything's talking, anyone's talking about. However, um, what I am going to try and do is in the coming weeks, we're going to try and find some non-COVID stories. Obviously, the way that this is impacting everything, it's probably going to kind of mix in a little bit and be touched on, you know, tangentially, but. We are going to try and avoid it. This week, we're going heavy COVID. It's going to be all about the um, economic impact of the virus. But just to warn you, brighter days are on the horizon. I'm going to try and give you guys some data insights and some how data is impacting the world takes that are not related to COVID after this week. But for this week, our title is going to be Unemployment and Inflation and Bear Markets, Oh My, for all those of you who remember Wizard of Oz. Um, What we're really going to be looking at is The U.S. economy, how the U.S. economy has been impacted, and what the data numbers are showing us, both in terms of the impact at this point, the impact in the coming weeks, and bigger picture, the impact in the coming years, maybe even the next decade, what we should expect based on the uh, post-COVID world or the, I guess, currently the COVID world that we live in. So um, the uh, topics we're going to specifically look at, as I mentioned, unemployment rates that have been absolutely skyrocketing in the U.S., how we're going to address that, what we're going to do there. Um, what it's looking like and when we can expect it to get better. Um, inflation, something that maybe not as big of a talking point on some of the news that you heard about the way unemployment is. However, it's something I think we absolutely need to keep an eye on and something that's going to be a critical component of the economic recovery, for lack of a better term, as we look forward into the next months and years. I'm going to look at the stock market briefly. Um, obviously, those of you who are heavily invested in the stock market probably haven't been too happy the last couple of months, but. Um, There's always, uh, you know, something over the horizon. There's always a brighter tomorrow. Um, And then also going to touch on how this um, virus has truly impacted just about every asset and specifically looking at marketing and advertising channels. The changes that we're seeing um, both anecdotally and high level overview of what we're seeing there, what we expect there um, and what we're going to see the world shift to in again as we transition from a, you know, COVID world, I'd say to a post COVID world. Um, But with that, let's get ready to dive into some data. So our first topic, we've got some breaking news here. Um, The U.S. economy and the global economy are not doing well. Yeah, I know, real breaking news. Um, We're going to stick to the U.S. today, but um, an important caveat when we start, honestly, you could almost transition this to any economy in the world, the global economy as a whole. Um, Frankly, this is an unprecedented event that we have no experience with. We have nothing to gauge it against. We have no models to run to understand when things are going to get better. Um, We really kind of are dealing with an unprecedented economic situation in the world. Um, And I'm going to choose to view that as it is an exciting time to be alive as someone who loves data and loves economics um, and try to ignore all the negativity around it out there, even though obviously it's a terrible um, thing. Um, We'd also be remiss if we didn't say that hope everyone who's listening to this is staying healthy, staying safe, um, doing some social distancing, hanging out with the family, taking advantage of the time at home a little bit more, um, and that things are going well, and anyone who's been impacted by the virus specifically, um, our condolences and sympathies and hope that everything's going well. But let's get back to the economics. Of this, Um, The first thing, and the thing that I've actually been asked by a number of people I've been talking to about this over the last few weeks, the first question is always, well, okay, it's bad now, but what's the long-term prognosis? Um, That's a tough question. Um, Given how rapidly things have been changing, things literally change on an hour-by-hour basis still with this. Um, If you guys will remember, whenever we left off last time um, with our episodes, one of the things that I had been touching on um, was how... Uh, Wuhan was getting shut down and how this virus thing was becoming a thing and it was going to have all these downstream impacts, but we didn't have a ton of information on exactly what those would be. There's a lot of ambiguity around them because this is an unprecedented situation. Obviously, now that the scope has been amplified tremendously and this is impacting not just Wuhan, not just China, but the entire world, um, we still aren't 100% sure what's really happening here. Um, Frankly, anyone you see on TV talking about Um, the plan moving forward and exactly what's going to happen, whether it's in politics, whether it's in media, whether it's um, true economists giving their take on it, um, they're all flying by the seat of their pants a little bit. That's the dirty secret. Um, We don't really know. Um, The best way I can sum it up um, is Kevin Hassett, who's the uh, White House economic advisor, um, has probably changed positions on this five or six times over the last few weeks over what's actually going to happen. Um, The consensus pretty much seems to be that Um, What we're looking at is an impact in an event much more comparable to the Great Depression, frankly, than anything we've dealt with recently. Um, It's going to be worse than what we saw in the 80s. It's going to be worse than what we saw after 2001. It's going to be worse than the 2008 crisis. Um, It's really looking more back to the Great Depression in terms of overall impact and Um, Luckily, the world's in a different place technologically and advancement wise than we were in the 1920s. But um, that's not good when our benchmark is the worst economic period in U.S. history. Um, And his specific quote is probably the only thing that um, we're going to be able to uh, really uh, hold on to and be uh, confident in the answer. Um, And the quote is the next couple of months economically are going to be terrible. Yeah. It's a little doom and gloom. Um, don't want to be negative Nancy here, but, um, things are going to be rough. Um, things are going to continue to get worse before they get better. We're going to see certain things popping. Um, there are some encouraging signs with states opening up. Um, we are not going to go into the health logistics of that. I am not a health professional. I am not a politician. Um, I would agree. I would just simply say, I hope everyone's staying safe with whatever your state is doing and however things are changing, Um, still maintaining best practices and maintaining social distancing and all that. Again, we're not going down that rabbit hole today as to whether those are the uh, right moves or not. We're going to look at the facts. We're going to look at the data because that's what we do here on Diving Into Data. You get a little bit of my opinion, but we care about the numbers. We care what the numbers say. So our first topic of unemployment So when we look at um, the unemployment numbers, frankly, we don't even have a good grasp on what the unemployment rate is in our country right now. Um, Certain reports are saying that it's up over 20% now, if you want to be realistic. Some of the numbers are a little bit closer, to about 10% based on the actual calculation. Um, We know and we've touched on in the past how the unemployment rate calculation excludes and includes certain people. it has some variables that are a little difficult to control. Um, but the fact is from the US Department of Labor, that in the last month or so, 26.5 million jobs have been lost. Um, that is astronomical. Everyone has probably seen the graphs and charts of the weekly unemployment claims, um, where you see this tiny little line hovering right around the axis and you can't even really see what it's doing um, for like, you know, 80 years or something. And then all of a sudden, in the last three weeks, we've gone up, you know, 10,000 times in magnitude. Um, it's it's kind of an unprecedented ridiculous thing that we're dealing with. Um, frankly, what we're dealing with is that entire industries are shut down. Um, it's not a an industry. It's not a sector. It's not just the banking and the financial crisis that we dealt with in the past. Um, it's not just this specific thing. Maybe transportation that was heavily impacted after nine eleven. No, this is the entire world. Every industry. Um, I, I would think you you'd be hard pressed to find. A, even a sub-industry um, or a niche or even a company that hasn't been impacted in some capacity by this. So um, to get some relative numbers again, we're at 26.5 million jobs lost. Um, when we're looking back to compare this to the 2008, um, the Great Recession, as some folks like to call it, what we're looking at, at the highest point there, we had 15.3 million people who had filed for unemployment. Um, there's an estimate of 8.7 million jobs lost during that crisis. Right now, we're hitting that every 10 days or so and have been for the last month and a half. Um, that's really concerning. Again, we're talking about that in at least in my lifetime, one of the things at my you know economic adult lifetime, um, the only event that's kind of comparable in 2008. Um, we have twice as many uh, I'm sorry, three times as many jobs lost in the last month and a half as we did during that entire period, um, or that entire event in 2008. Um, that's, that's, that's not very encouraging. Um, and then we shift, um, another indicator of unemployment and, uh, ties right in is the GDP gross domestic product of the country. Um, the initial release is actually in Q1 is going to be today in a couple of hours here. Um, but we're projecting to be down about four or 5% from the expectations, um, which sounds, Hey, that's not that bad. Four or 5% isn't that bad. Remember that these numbers are only for Q1 ending in March. Um, In March is when this really ramped up. There are a lot of things in process already at the beginning of March and through February and through Q1 um, that were going just fine, frankly, pre-COVID that took a hit. So that down 5% is really in that last week or two when the trend started to correct, things started to head south. Um, Q2 is going to be released in July, and that is going to be a lot, lot worse. Um, And that's one of the discouraging things here is even if we hear some positive signs, see certain states opening up, um, not to mention the trend line of flattening the curve and the number of cases, the number of deaths from the virus in the U.S. When we look bigger picture, a lot of the economic data that we're going to see, keep in mind, is sometimes at least delayed a month, sometimes delayed a quarter, heck, sometimes delayed a year. So we're going to see the waves and the impacts of this economic impact for months and months and months. This isn't something that... um, You should expect to flip on the TV in the coming weeks and see that, oh, look, things are getting better. Um when Q2, um the estimates right now um from uh folks in the field are somewhere around twenty or thirty percent down, our annual growth is gonna be down to negative ten to negative fourteen percent, um, which is not good since we've been on a great trajectory the last decade, obviously. Um and the actual annual GDP is gonna go down. Um, Right now, the White House is estimating about 4%. Um, The IMF, the International Monetary Fund, is saying it's actually probably going to be closer to 6%. But frankly, a GDP contraction like that isn't something that we have a ton of um, information and books on. Again, it's rare that even some of the worst, most drastic events um, economically in the U.S.'s history um, don't usually see that. Obviously, the Great Depression definitely saw stuff like that. Again, I, I don't think we're going towards When you picture the Great Depression and all of the impacts that have, um, it's very different. Um, But we're actually going to touch on here later in the show. Unfortunately, there could be some things that are a little bit worse than we had them in the Great Depression. More to come on that little teaser for you. Um, But the the summary is unemployment's bad. It's continuing to get worse. Um, And... uh, Frankly, we don't know enough now to see how bad this is going to get, how long-term is it going to get. Frankly, how many companies are going to be able to bring back their entire workforce that they've laid off or furloughed um, when things get better and the world reopens? Um, I think some people have, uh, frankly, an overly optimistic view that, well, hey, most of this is going to come back as soon as we can just get back out. Um, Well, unfortunately, we don't know when we're going to really be able to get back out and go back to quote-unquote normal. Um, but even when we do, there's a lot of businesses that have taken a hit here that are not just going to be a flip the power switch back on and we're ready to rock and roll. Um, So we're going to need to monitor that over the coming months and um, potentially even the next years um, to see how bad it gets. But frankly, right now, both GDP and unemployment, um, they're looking pretty discouraging. Let's be frank about it. But um, something that I don't think has been touched on a lot, um, again, especially when it comes to the national media, some of the big headlines, probably what a lot of you guys have been reading at home while social distancing about the economy, um, and that is inflation. Um, so the National Review ran a great article, um, and they actually had a quote here that, uh, frankly, I can't, I can't do it better. So I'm just going to directly quote the National Review in the way they open the story. If you think that too much money creates and causes inflation, we're going to get inflation. If you think budget deficits cause inflation, we will get inflation. If you're old-fashioned enough to think that rising costs and increasing economic inefficiency cause inflation, cause inflation, we're going to get inflation. It really doesn't matter what economic theory you subscribe to; they all arrive at the same destination: more inflation. And that's kind of crazy because those of you we aren't going to get too uh, economicsy on you guys and uh, make you go too far down that path, but. Um, There's many different economic models. Everyone in the economic community does not agree. There's a reason that there's always different projections and different things that we're looking at. And one of the things that we consistently see is that the models um, typically run counter to each other. We're in a situation where, unfortunately, no matter what you think causes inflation, we've checked all the boxes. Folks, we're in for some inflation. The question is, what are we going to see and how bad is it going to be? Famous economist Milton Friedman said that um, inflation boils down to an increase in money versus an increase in output. That's really what we're talking about is the money supply going up without the output going up. Um, when that happens, obviously the, there's more of these, you know, dollars for lack of a better term over here, but they, they there's not more products. There's not more natural resources, goods, services in the other hand. So when this hand gets heavier, well, that money is now just worthless. Yes, there's, you know, a, a thousand instead of a hundred, but now they're only worth one tenth as much. Um, when you look back at this kind of general theory, um, what you typically see is even just looking at the last decade as kind of a case study, we expect to see 4 to 5% based on kind of the traditional models. We only saw about 2%. So that's our first indication that, again, inflation is not a perfect science. Um, there are a lot of factors in this. There's a lot of what's called lost money. Um, it's something that if you're bored and interested, go check it out. It's kind of an interesting little theory about what happens to some of this and why inflation isn't as bad um, as it theoretically should be given all the other economic indicators. Um, But when we're looking at the last six weeks, um, the annual compounded rate of the money supply increase that we've seen, um, again, this is tangential and uh, tied to that stimulus bill and big pieces along with other uh, government efforts, we're looking at about a 90.4 annual compounded rate of money supply increase. What that would traditionally signal is that in about 18 to 24 months, we would be looking at triple digit inflation. Literally, our, um, another way to kind of say that, an oversimplification, but a way to think about it is our dollar would be worth half of what it is now. Um, I don't think that is exactly the case, um, but there are some things. The, our annual deficit was projected to be at $1.1 trillion in this country this year. Astronomical huge number. That's That's a ton of debt. Well, now that's over $3 million because that wasn't including the CARES Act, some of the, the PPP and the other things going in. Um, frankly, we're, we're printing a lot of money from the government um, perspective right now. Um, and uh, again, uh, not only are we not producing more services, frankly, we're producing less services right now. People can't work. Factories aren't open. Um, so now when we get, again, I don't want to get too into economic theory here, but when we're looking at a kind of a Keynesian view of the world, um, this deficit increasing, everyone would say it would be okay because you know the research, the um, you know things are gonna the increase here is gonna be offset by an increase here, except that that's not what we're gonna see. Um, that doesn't really hold true with what we're doing on because um, it relies on resources being able to be put back to work, people being able to go back and spend money. Um, the comparison, and I mentioned earlier, the worse than the Great Depression, little line I threw in there. Um, one of the only saving graces of the Great Depression. Um, was that, yes, the economy was in terrible spots. However, there were long lines of people standing at unemployment offices, and the government was able to interact with the New Deal and other things, especially huge investments in our infrastructure and other things, that put those people back to work. It gave them jobs. It wasn't what they were doing. Yes, the overall economic picture was still kind of fuzzy and wasn't great, but those people were able to get paychecks. They were able to put food on the table, working for the government, working in construction, finding other jobs the issue is we don't have that right now. Um, we don't have another place for people to go. Everything's shut down. Um, it's not, you know, yes, there are certain essential employees and employers who, um, have still been hiring, have been had to boost hiring, um, anything in the delivery space, anything, um, in the, uh, the food space, some of those have really taken off. Um, but That is not going to offset all of the other economies and all of the other negative impacts that we're seeing across the board here. So um, that's where that's kind of concerning. Um, And the supply chain impact, also, when we think about that from the bigger picture of things kind of going down line, um, that could have a tie in with inflation. Um, At first, uh, there's been a lot of supply chain talk, people saw everyone started panic buying right when um, this started, the whole toilet paper fiasco um, that'll be talked about for decades. Um, at that point, the supply chain issue is actually a logistical issue. Um, we had plenty of stuff. We just couldn't get it to the shelves fast enough because everyone was buying like crazy and going nuts with it. Um, however, what we're actually starting to see is there are real supply chain issues we're running into now that this has gone in long enough. Um, a great example is in actually that food service that we're talking about. Um, people couldn't buy meat a few weeks ago cause everyone was panic buying meat and stocking up on, you know, uh, beef and pork and chicken and stuff like that. But things got back to normal. If you've been to the grocery stores the last couple weeks, you've probably seen that, you know, things are looking pretty normal again on that side. Um, but some darker days are ahead on that, I think. Um, what we're looking at now is Tyson came out um, and said how so many of their plants are having to be closed due to COVID-19 cases um, that they can't process a lot of the pork and the other things that they have. Um, farmers are actually having to put down animals and euthanize animals at this point because they're still raising the animals. We don't have an issue from a um, ground level supply there, but we don't have a way to get those animals processed through the plants, again, like the Tysons of the world. Um get them through the supply chain to get them to your grocery store shelf or to that restaurant or wherever that end destination is. Um, Because of that, um, we're going to start to see some other issues down the line here. Um, But And I think that that's going to compound onto the inflation piece um, is that if we don't get the supply chains kind of corrected, we don't get that production up and we keep, for lack of a better term, just printing money, we're eventually going to run into this issue that inflation is going to get worse and worse and we got to avoid that. Um, The saving grace here is that inflation is also something that kind of has a tie in with the global economy and other values of other currencies. Because everyone's having this issue, um, we might see, uh, again, less of an impact than what the numbers might tell. Um, And some of the other things that we're going to probably start to see, some production is probably going to get returned domestically. Um, I think you're going to see at least a temporary um, shift from international um, production to domestic production, um, just given the health and safety and uh, security, I guess, for lack of better term concerns there, um, and a associated shortening of global supply chains with this, um, frankly, kind of boils down to less contact, less moving pieces. Um, that could also actually assist America a little bit um, if we return some things domestically, start opening those up again when we're able to do so. Um, I-, I would say that when we're looking at inflation, My best guess, and this is just a best guess, it is nothing beyond that, is that we're looking probably at lower double digits, um, 10, 20% inflation um, by early 2020. Um, That is significant. It's a more significant jump than we've seen in a long time, but it's also not the triple digits um, that I mentioned earlier. I don't think it's going to be that bad, but um, be aware that um, willing to bet a pretty penny, um, that that pretty penny is going to be worth a little bit less here in the next year, year and a half. all right, so let's let's transition from a little more of the economic stuff to something that everyone's kind of been monitoring in the stock market. Um, obviously, the stock markets have been absolutely hammered. Um, there have been some signs of optimism. Um, up until yesterday, we had seen like four straight days of growth. Um, but frankly, um, the biggest issue, what's going on there, there's going to be some ups and downs. That's how the stock market works, is the overall the uncertainty that still remains um, with the global economy, with everything that we're talking about. Uncertainty is not a... Um, stock market or a funds friend, um, and that's what we're dealing with right now. I think um, you're going to continue to see those up and down. Um, we're, we're not going to go too, too in depth on this, um, but I would safely say that you're probably going to see some ups and some downs over the next few months um, without maybe a ton of overall holistic growth, um, at least until, again, uh, things normalize. And we, we'll, we won't argue about what normalize and getting back to normal means, um, what our new normal will be, but until we really see um, with some of these states opening, how that goes, how other economies, especially places like New York City, who's been hit you know, the hardest in the entire world um, by this disease, um, how they're able to adapt and how they're able to get back to quote unquote normal. We won't really know what the stock markets are going to do. Um, I am not a stock advisor in any capacity, but a little reminder that um, now is a great time to buy low if you have the time and resources to do so in the stock market. Um, we will overcome this. Things will get better long term. Um, this will not be forever. Um, but I think the issue we're seeing with a lot of people is that they do not have the time and resources to say, oh, great, what an opportunity to buy low. Um, everyone would love to be able to do that. But frankly, a lot of people have seen their retirement accounts significantly you know, uh, disappear over the last two months. Um, they don't have additional resources. They're trying to make sure they can keep the lights on, keep food on the table. They're, they don't have the money to go invest in stocks. So, um, uh, realistically, um, do the best you can to survive it. Um, for those of you closer to retirement, um, I, you know, I wish you luck. I unfortunately don't have any better advice than that. Um, for those of you that are still um, a ways out from retirement, who aren't relying on those funds immediately, um, keep them in there. Don't don't panic buy. Don't sell them low. Um, things will eventually get back to normal. Um, but when we're talking about the markets, there's a couple things that I was reading into this week. Um, and something that, uh, I'm probably going to dive into more in a future episode is how the world's, um, production shifts in the last few decades, um, or even maybe a little bit longer than that, um, actually could be killing us from a supply chain perspective. And that is with just in time production. Um, JIT is probably something you guys have heard of before, um, it's this uh, principle of producing just at the uh, just what you need to, just when you need to, in order to keep costs low. It ties in kind of with the lean operations and things related to that. Um, but when everything shuts down, just in time production—that's um, uh, not a good uh, thing to have in your back pocket. If those things are not able to produce just in time, it means they don't have a ton of back stock. They don't have a ton of other things already in the pipeline. Um, that can, you know, they don't have a rainy day fund maybe is a good way to kind of oversimplify it. And what we're seeing here is that we're going to take a hit there. Um, as long as we, uh, are dealing with this, um, just in times not going well, because frankly, factories can't produce stuff just in time. Um, I, I think to sum up this, um, there are a couple, there have, there are these quotes that, you know, we haven't hit the bottom yet. Um, until we have a clearer picture, everything's a guess and we don't know what we're doing. Um, but, um, I do think a real easy, concise way to sum it up, um, the Alliance chief and economic advisor, Muhammad el Orion, um, said this week, this quote, and I kind of stuck out as, yeah, that's kind of the best advice you can give someone right now. And that is until people are able, or pardon me, let me start over until people are both able and willing to go back to normal economic activity. The best you can do is relief. So frankly, what we're talking about there is the best we can do right now is try to patch this with band-aids. Let's try and survive. Let's get through this. Let's make this work. Um, and hopefully when people are both able and willing, both important qualifiers to go back to quote unquote normal economic activity, that's when we're going to see uh, the tides really change. All right. So we've got about five, six minutes left here. We're going to touch on a couple other things. That was the main topic, but um, I did want to specifically look at um something that probably impacted all you directly over the last few months, and that is the stimulus package that came out. Um our stimulus checks. Who got them in the mail? Who got them actually, no one's got them in the mail yet, unfortunately. Um those of you who have direct deposits set up, you probably saw that come through a few weeks ago. Nice little boost for some of them. Um what we're talking about is over two trillion dollars just in the first bill in economic relief. I know that number's gone up significantly since then with different versions and other uh additions to the bill. Um a big piece of that is that PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program for small businesses. Um, small businesses are the ones who have been suffering the most here. Um, a little shout out for go support your local businesses, buy gift cards, buy whatever you can right now, um, help them keep their doors open. Um, but we've seen some issues with the PPP. Um, frankly, the first one is there's just not enough money to go around. Again, this is an unprecedented disaster. We didn't realize just how much relief we would need when we first started this. Um, Another issue we're seeing, we're not going to dive into the ethical side of this too much, but um, definitely uh, some of the funds are being misappropriated. Um, They're taken by companies who don't need it. You've seen some stories about how companies are getting millions of loans that theoretically are going to qualify and not have to pay them back because they're quote unquote for payroll services. But really, at the end of the day, these are just funneling up into investor firms um, and the money is not actually being used to help those on the front line the way it was intended. It, it, it That's that's a tricky, thorny subject that, um, frankly, I'm probably not qualified to go in-depth on, and I wouldn't even want to if I was. Um, at the summary, at the end of the day, is when you shove something quickly through like this, and it was absolutely necessary, uh, you know, we had to get some stuff going um, when all this hit. There's going to be loopholes. Frankly, if there are loopholes, there are going to be people that exploit those loopholes. Um, what I would say is kind of what the, the the end of the day of the question of, will the stimulus package help? Will all this help? Um, comes back to actually something I really hit on right before we uh, broke, and that is um, I, I mentioned that, well, are things going to get worse? The one way to check is consumer spending. Consumer spending, at the end of the day, I still think is the most critical thing that we can pay attention to, you can look at. Um, And unfortunately, I'm not sure that stimulus is going to help a ton there. Yes, this is going to help certain people um, be able to go out and spend that money, put that money back into the economy. But frankly, it's only the businesses that are open. It's probably only essential businesses. Frankly, a lot of people that we're talking about unemployment don't have jobs. This money is going towards rent, and it is going towards you know, um, it's their emergency fund or whatever. But a lot of other people who aren't in that position are using us as savings or, you know, they're, they're prepared for what is to come or trying to prepare for what is to come and they're holding it. I'm afraid that it is not going to necessarily all get injected back into the economy in the way that we would ideally like. Um, I think that was a known fact from the start here. You know, the government's not surprised by that, but we would still love to see more of that. Um, and again, that opens up questions. Was it too broad? Was it too specific? How could you avoid all that? A lot of good questions that we don't have answers to, um, but it's worth checking on. Um, It's worth touching on since it is an important aspect of this to see how governments have reacted. Um, Again, we're not going to dive too much into COVID in future episodes to try and keep the topics happy, but that is when we might circle back on a little bit is that stimulus plan. Um, But before we wrap up today, I do want to talk about, again, we've we've been doing a lot of big picture stuff here today. Let's boil down a little bit more for, um, again, the market scale world. Um, looking at that, and specifically, we're going to do something tangential to what we do, um, kind of related to what we do, and that is the advertising world. Um, the first point on this, before we even get into the advertising component, is that um, in this post-COVID world, um, I think it's worth noting that this is probably one of the most fascinating experiments that we will see in our lifetime for just about every um, field in every industry. And what I mean by that is experiment. If you think about whether it's economics, whether it's psychology, whether it's sociology, whether it is a specific industry, um, whether it is the education field, whether it is government, um, politics, reactions, stimulus bills, and things like that, um, monetary policy, everything that you can just about think of is going through this shock right now that it's having to adapt to, it's having to address, it's having to cope with. Frankly, you cannot, you know, run simulations prior to the starting um, for global events that would impact economies and all this much with accurate data. Um, So uh, we need to find one little bright thing to look at today. So we're going to call our bright light that we're going to have some really cool studies and some really cool information after all this is done on how these kind of events have impacted all these different fields, all the psychology Um, Mental health things that are to come out of this, all the economic things that are to come out of this, um, down to the more granular, how specific industries are able to cope, how businesses are able to cope, um, the transition to remote working more, and what that's done and how that's going to impact our new normal in the future. Um, There is a fascinating educational aspect to that. So um, while it's all doom and gloom on the news and stuff like that, maybe try and keep that in the back of your head and that. Um, we're going to have some really incredible uh, things that we're going to learn and be better from because of this, um, even if it is kind of hard to see that light with all the darkness around right now. Um, but back into advertising is one that I think is just fascinating right now to see what's going on. Um, advertising um, is something that has been, attitudes have been shifting in the previous years. Um, if it ties in with privacy, the GDPR, CCPAs of the world, there's been some shocks there. Um Google has specifically still been seeing, you know, solid growth in their ad revenue, but um, the tides are starting to turn. Um, The curve starting to flatten, if you would, um, on that where attitudes around advertising have already been kind of shifting with people. Um, We've talked in the past how um, specifically digital advertising as different tools and technologies become more advanced to hide that and be able to filter that through. There's some things changing, but um, this, uh, the last two months have been the biggest shock to the system that we could possibly see um from an online ads perspective. Um frankly, uh, it is a avenue that um a lot of money is spent. Um and it is something that is an easy cut, frankly, a lot of times depending on your contracts and all, but advertising is something that it's easier to dial back on than payroll and things like that. Um, a lot of companies, frankly, are probably having to make a decision, do we cut our ads or do we cut this department? Um, and I think a lot of them we're seeing are cutting the ads, not the department. Um, or at least the best of their abilities are doing so. Um, Google predicts um, and projects that they're going to significantly miss all their revenue targets in Q2. Um, Through the first two months of Q1, they're actually outperforming their expectations. We're going to exceed expectations for the revenue targets. Um, With the downturn in March, they ended up just scraping by um, pretty much as the ad expected um, rate. But they're also projecting Q2 that they're going to really miss. And obviously, there's no way to predict Um, what we would be dealing with here in 2020. So understandable that they won't, but they're expecting it to be down. Um, Anecdotally, um, it's worth kind of mentioning that we've actually seen a lot of customers cutting their ad spending directly. Again, it's frankly an easy channel to cut, save some money on right now when money is tight. Um, A survey that was done of marketers and advertisers across the US, over 10,000 participants, 64%. So almost two thirds of respondents said they're holding off for now on a lot of their advertising campaigns. That means they've either scaled back what they're doing and they're also holding off on any new campaigns. Um, but they're holding off for now. Uh, 44% have canceled completely. So they've completely scrapped new campaigns, new plans, new things that they were going to do um, and have no plan of ever going back to them. Um, so that'll show you that almost half of ad campaigns are being canceled, almost two thirds of people are holding off or at least being more tentative and drawing that back. Uh, There's going to be a big impact in the space. The estimate right now from the Forbes article that I was reading that was great around this topic was $26 billion in advertising um, will be lost due to COVID. That is just the current projection based on what we currently see happening. Um, Obviously, that could definitely grow um, as we move forward. Um, But they're expecting digital ads to be down around 25% in terms of advertising spend and TV and print ads to be down around 30% in advertising. Um, TV, you might initially think, well, wouldn't there be a bump? That's all I'm doing is sitting around watching TV. Actually, TV, um, traditional cable, um, which is where a lot of the traditional advertising goes, um, has actually been doing great. Those rely heavily on live sports, which, as we know, has not been happening. Um, You knew you weren't going to get through an episode of Diving into Data without me at least quickly mentioning sports. Don't worry. Plenty to come next week on that, but we'll leave it there for now. Um, But uh, what we're seeing is actually new channels and streaming is really booming. Um, Netflix is of the world. The HBO goes of the world. The Apple Plus and Apple TV or whatever it is, Um, all these streaming platforms, there's a lot going on. Um, and so what I think we should take away from this is something that just about every company, especially those in the B2B space, but frankly, every company in the world needs to start thinking about. Um, I'm hoping this shock to the system and advertising will actually help push companies um, in the more sustainable direction. And that is that they need to embrace media and content creation, owning your channels, developing your own um, group of uh, users who digest your content Um, steer away from ads, steer away from the pay-per-click, build that organic audience. Um, If you do that and you lean heavily into that now at a necessity, make sure you maintain that. Just when things get better, um, don't necessarily, uh, yes, there's a time and a place for ads, but rather than dumping all that money back into the ad budget that you've cut temporarily, um, allocate part of that towards creating your own media. Some of the most successful companies um, right now are those that have kind of taken on this philosophy and taken this path. Um, they're doing really well right now, um, given the way things are going. Um, and I think, again, I, I know we're kind of comparing a very specific instance to a much bigger strategy, but um, that's what we're embracing here at scale is the ability to create and own your channels and define your channels, not just renting a channel, not just renting space on an ad, um, but truly owning things. And that is where from an advertising perspective, I think we'll see over the next five to 10 years, um, a slow trickle away from the ads and into the owned media space. So that's the marketing tie in for this week. But anyway, we hit on a lot of stuff. I know we were kind of rapid fire today. Um, we went over, um, our, uh, unemployment inflation, how the market's doing, um, touched on the stimulus, touched how the post COVID world with advertising could look, Um, but uh, there's going to be many more to come in the coming weeks. Again, we're going to try and steer clear from diving too deep into COVID. Obviously, as we mentioned, it's touching everything, so I don't know if there's a story we'll be able to talk about that doesn't at least have an asterisk tied to COVID to it, Um, but we're going to try to um, get away from the doom and gloom. Um, Regardless, it's great to be back. Thank you guys all for listening. This has been another episode of Diving Into Data with TC Riley. I hope everyone out there stays safe, stays healthy, practice social distancing, do all that stuff, and remember that this too shall pass. Um, Things will get better. Until then, we'll all hang in there together and we're going to make it work. Everyone take care and have a good one. See ya.